bad feeling about this. It wasn't funny, man. What have we done? What are you looking at, butthead? Oh, you some coffee? You want some coffee? Game on, old friend. Hey guys, gals, guidos, stellas, ballet dancers, and everybody in between. Welcome to another episode of Cinephile Saturdays. It's your boy always collecting something here with a bunch of useless knowledge that you want to listen to. This episode is brought to you by Pyre Gamer Performance Supplements and hashtag RazorStreamer. If you enjoy this episode, head on over to NerdCon.com. NerdCon1.com. Fucking up my own logo. <laughs> Alright everybody, today we were talking about reboots and remakes. The good, the bad, and... Well no, it's just, there's good and bad. There's nothing in between for reboots and remakes. And you're going to slowly learn that I'm pretty biased against reboots and remakes. While there are some I definitely enjoy, 98% are steaming piles of shit that don't need to be remade. At all. No idea why. You know what? No. The reason that they don't need to do that shit is because then you start making things like that new t RoboCop TV series that doesn't have RoboCop. That's basically futuristic law and order. It's bullshit. Fucking bullshit. Okay, so today we're going to be talking about uh, one of my personal favorites to start off, and it's going to be Friday the 13th Final Cut, starring Jared Paladecki, Derek Mears, and Dana... Blah, 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 Danielle Panabaker. Uh, Clay Miller, Jason Voorhees, and Jenna. Uh, Jared Paladecki from uh, Cry Wolf, House of Wax, and Supernatural. Derek Mears, one of my favorite creature actors uh, from Alita, Battle Angel, Swamp Thing, Predators, and Wild Wild West. Funny thing about that, he actually got to kick the shit out of Will Smith in two different movies. That's impressive. Yes. So in Wild Wild West, at the end, he was Metalhead, that guy that worked in the engine room of the giant spider. And in uh, Men in Black 2, after they uh, give Agent K back his memory, he's the guy that's got the weird like uh, tendrils on his face that when you pull him down, he like slaps up into the ceiling. Wait, so not the Balchinian, though, but the other one like where he like literally shoots up like a rocket, right? Yeah, not the ball chinning the other guy. He's got, like, weird face tendrils and stuff. The dude's honestly in so much shit, and it's amazing. I'm really happy for him. He's honestly one of the nicest people I've ever met. Uh, me and Christina, my wife, uh, for those at home that aren't, aren't aware, we actually got engaged 10 feet in front of his uh, signing booth at the our yearly horror convention we used to go to. Um we got married the right before we went up to it one year and uh he's remembered us ever since and we talk to him every time we see him he doesn't remember our names which i'm never offended by the guy meets thousands of people tens of thousands of people every year you know so it's but he remembers us and that's cool and that's like means something to me and his girlfriend's really nice she's a model she remembers us too always super pleasant to see both of them at any convention but uh you know let me get out of out of that so um did you drop your snack nick oh i dropped my combo and I, I i i don't know how i feel about you still ate it so it's okay 10 second rule it's, it's all good it was under five <laughs> well sometimes you gotta go for the 10 your, your floor looks clean so it's all good um, so yeah, uh, Danielle Panabaker was in The Flash, Sky High, Legends of Tomorrow, and Justified. 
Um, I give this movie an 8 out of 10. I think it really holds true to the Friday the 13th core movies, the early movies. Um, uh, one little thing about this, it's got one of the longest prologues in all of horror, going at 25 minutes before the actual title screen comes up. Um, I gotta find out what is the longest, because it says this is one of the longest. So I gotta look up what is the actual longest. Um, uh, Derek Mears did an amazing job as Jason. Uh, he's great in creature suits, he's great out of suits. Swamp Thing, uh, just to sidetrack, Swamp Thing is one of my favorite DC characters. I've loved it since I was a little kid. I used to watch the cartoon and read the comic books when my mom would want to go to Books A Million when we lived down in Florida. Um, and I always just thought he was so cool. I'm sorry to stop you. I just want to take a moment and say, uh, your wife's watching. Yeah, babe, I love you. Mwah. Hope you see that. So anyways, um, a lot of people got a lot of bullshit to say about this movie. Oh, Jason doesn't run. Jason wouldn't use a crossbow or a bow and arrow. You're fucking stupid who say that. I'm sorry. If you have that kind of complaint, you clearly have no fucking idea about this entire franchise. The dude has had tool belts. He's worn gloves. He's carried a knife on his belt. He's killed a bunch of people with, like, all kinds of weird things. It's just nitpicking. It's just nitpicking. I heard one guy complain that Jared Paladecki uh, was taller than Jason Voorhees. And he thought that, oh, the leading man shouldn't be bigger than the killer. Well, you know what? Like, a lot of them sometimes were. Like, does anybody honestly think that, uh... Oh, just, ah, oh, man. I just, I can't get over people sometimes. It's just dumb complaints. Dumb, dumb, dumb complaints. I think that, uh... Um... I lost my train of thought from anger. <laughs> so anyways, like, does anyone think that Kane Hodder is, like, really that tall. Like, the dude's barely taller than me, and I'm only six foot. So I know Jared Paladecki is, I think, six two or six three, but Derek Mears is, like, six four or six five. So, I mean, the dude's complaining. Like, you see what I'm saying? It's just nitpicking. You just want to bitch and complain. And I'm getting sidetracked once again because horror is just filled with garbage remakes, and this is one of the ones that really sticks true. So, um... Ironically, Michael Bay walked out of the premiere because he said there was too much sex in the movie. There's, like, two sex scenes, I think. And, like, really, Michael Bay, who just throws Megan Fox and everything and hypersexualizes her? There's too much sex? Okay. All right. Moving on. So, um... It pretty much follows, you know, true to the tale in the prologue. You know, they show a bunch of campers out there. They're trying to find this weed field, and, you know, Jason comes and kills them. Uh, has one of my favorite kills in, like, the whole franchise in it. Jason puts a girl in her sleeping bag and roasts her over a fire. And while she's screaming for help, her boyfriend comes and is running to get her, snaps his leg in a bear trap, and has to just sit there trying to get out of it while his girl is, like, screaming to death as she's cooked and roasted in this sleeping bag. That is cool shit. I like that. That is classic Jason. Um, so, uh, Jared Paladecki uh, plays Clay Miller. 
Uh, he is basically searching for his sister, who's one of the campers in the beginning of the movie in the prologue that um, she's the only one that survives. Uh, Jason takes her as like a prisoner. That's another thing people have to complain about that, you know, he wouldn't do that. Um, and that there's one part where like Becca, who's his sister, like convinces him that he's like his mother for a second. They're like, oh, that wouldn't happen either. Amy Steele did it in the second one. You're stupid. Stop with these dumb complaints. Come on, guys. Have some facts. I'm not talking about you, my audience. I'm talking about the idiot people that I've seen complain about this stuff. I know you're all intelligent people because you're watching. Love you guys. Hard hands. Um, and listening. Oh, and listening. Watching and listening. Thank you, Nick. Yes, you guys are watching and listening. Um... Anyway, so Clay Miller's uh, last name is a reference to the series creator, Victor Miller, um, who uh, I believe after he uh, read the script thought that it was more penned to be a sequel than it was a remake, and actually he was a little confused that they were billing it as a remake. I can kind of see where he's coming from, um, you know, in the sense that in the original Friday the 13th, Jason wasn't the killer, it was his mother. Uh, Friday the 13th Part 2 is where we actually first saw Jason become the main killer. Um, so I guess I could see how it could, it could be more be a remake of number 2. Because uh, he does start off as Baghead Jason, and then eventually uh, when he kills this weird, dirty, white trash, skeevy, redneck, inbred farmer guy. Oh no, sorry, he's, the, uh, he's just the inbred guy that works for the farmer. Um... Then he finds the hockey mask and this dude's like uh, weird barn full of nonsense shit after this weird creepy inbred guy started talking to this mannequin that he lost his virginity to. But that's a story for another day. Um, so uh, yeah, 8 out of 10 for that. Great remake. Um, if you got complaints about my opinions, I'm sorry. They're mine and I'm right. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, you guys know. I'm all about my opinions. If you think I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's cool. I'm happy you're listening. All right, so we're going to move on to the Ghostbusters 2016 remake. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this because, A, all the facts I found about it were kind of boring. B, I absolutely hated this movie to the fact that I couldn't even finish more than 20 minutes of it. Uh, one day I'm sure I will. Dude, you dropped your snacks again. I give up. Dude. I'm sorry, man. At least none of those fell out, though. But it's Pocky, so they're fragile, so probably half of them are broken now. Well, then it's like I have more Pocky, because... Yeah, it always just disconnects the cookie part from the chocolate part. So you just have, like, bland cookie and then chocolate cookie. I'm sad now. You know, I mean... I, honestly, I don't care. It happens to me, and I just eat them. I love Pocky. So, okay, sidetracked. Um, yeah, Ghostbusters 2016. Um, see... I'm giving this a 2 out of 10 because I couldn't even finish the movie, but... I'm conflicted here because, like... Not including Leslie Jones, I'm not a fan of her. I feel she's a female Chris Rock and I'm not a fan of him. I feel his entire persona is just screaming at people and talking way too loud. And I think it's unnecessary. And she does the same thing. She tries to come off as this super hard ass 
but then whined and cried when everyone didn't like her movie. I mean, sorry, it wasn't good, but it wasn't really any of the actors' faults, I feel, at all, because... Uh, so Ghostbusters is starring Melissa McCarthy um, as Abby, Kristen Wiig as Aaron. Kristen Wiig is one of my favorite comedic female actors. I love her to death. I love everything she's in, practically. Uh, and Kate McKinnon as Jillian. Uh, it was directed by Paul Feig. Feig? Do you know how to pronounce his last name? F-E-I-G? I can never remember. Feige. Thank you. Okay, Feige. Um, so Melissa McCarthy was in The Heat, Tammy Bridesmaids, and The Happy Time Murders, Kristen Wiig from Masterminds, Despicable Me 2 and 3, Anchorman 2 and Sausage Party, Kate McKinnon from uh, Bombshell, also Masterminds, Office Christmas Party, and the Angry Birds movie. Um, so I love all of them. I love Chris Hemsworth. Um, the OG cast were in this. I honestly love Paul... What is it, Feige? You said Feige? Feige. Feige. I'm never going to remember that. So Paul Feige. I like him. I think he's a funny actor. I love Freaks and Geeks. He's a good producer. He wrote and directed this, and it was fucking atrocious. I think the entire way that they went with Chris Hemsworth's character, making him this complete, like, hyper-masculine, mentally, like, just ignorant completely clueless over sexual fool when he drew the ghostbusters logo he put huge tits on it like their secretary in the old movie she was a badass chick okay that was embarrassing that was just sorry to watch the whole fact that they turned the logo into the rowan's ghost and like he was the bad guy that was dumb too the fact that they wanted to have it disconnected from ghostbusters and then now that the third one's coming out leslie jones um, I know. Sometimes Steve gets a little too passionate, guys. But these are my opinions. You gotta remember that. This is how I feel. I'm not telling you facts. <laughs> but anyways, but I'm only I'm only stating truth. I'm only stating truth because now that the, Leslie Jones did state publicly that she w was happy that it was disconnected so they could do their own thing. I'm sad that they couldn't have just given them their own type of ghost movie and did their own thing, which is why I hate reboots and remakes, because they do the gender swap thing, which either way they do it, make a girl a guy, make a guy a girl, and it's like, it's not a new movie, guys. Just give them their own thing. If they put them in their own movie, I bet it would have been great, but this wasn't well-received at all, and they were had a sequel planned, it got dropped, and now that the original Ghostbusters is getting a sequel, uh, you know, now it's a trilogy, Ghostbusters 3 coming out, supposedly this July, sometime next year, um, and it has, Ghostbusters 2016 has nothing to do with it, Leslie Jones was publicly crying on Twitter. So I'm talking shit, but I'm only stating facts while I talk shit. I'm not going to go out of my way, I'm not a fan of her, that's where it, the line stops. But I like the concept of what they tried to do, but I, I agree in the sense because it at first it seems like they do try to make it own separate thing where it's not going to be like the Ghostbusters thing, and it got too much, too not quippy, but I don't know the exact word, but like it seemed as though they were going more for the punchline 
than the story of being a Ghostbusters movie. Exactly. That's, That's my, my take on it. No, I get it. I enjoyed some aspects, but I feel like they got a lot wrong. Yeah, see, I just think Paul Feige, he just, uh, I don't know, like I usually, like I said, I usually like his stuff, but I think he just really dropped the ball on this one. I don't know. It happens sometimes. Well, and then good cast, too, good the, cast can't save bad writing. Well, well keep, keep in mind, too, with a cast like this, they have, um, there's a lot of personalities within ad lib and improv in the originals you had a action-packed cast of funny people you know but in this one it just felt like everyone was trying to overdo each other and it wasn't even their fault it was just a bad script like even the jokes that they were going like i think like even like stupid movies like the happy time murders that melissa mccarthy was in recently yeah i thought was funny you know because it like it just it, it didn't take itself seriously and i think this one tried to take itself seriously but you can't take a comedy seriously especially if you know that's what you're going for you can't have serious comedy that's boring and i just think it fell really flat and like they tried and it's just like i like i say like sometimes you know you got a movie that's like i Honestly, I'm going to say I hated this from the start just because of my feelings about reboots and remakes with them doing the whole, like, gender swap as a new movie. Like, write an original movie and let them make it their own, and it'll be good. They don't need to try to write off things coattails. Like, the original was great. We didn't need a remake of it. Do we need a sequel? Hell yes, we need a sequel. But whatever you know ghostbusters blah 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 wasn't a fan two out of ten moving on moving on so oh here's another stinker guys here's another stinker all right the mummy from 2017 starring tom cruise as nick morton sophia botella as uh amanette and russell crowe as henry jekyll uh, Tom Cruise is from, you know, well-known from Vanilla Sky, Mission Impossible, Top Gun, and The Last Samurai. Uh, Sofia Botella was in Atomic Blonde, Hotel Artemis, Kingsman, The Secret Service, and Star Trek Beyond. Russell Crowe, probably no introduction needed, but, um, you know, I'm really going back for a hot second. I totally forgot to mention uh, the director, Marcus Nispel, for Friday the 13th. I want to try to give credit to the directors because they help make these movies possible, not just the actors. Um, but so uh, this was directed by Al uh, Alex Kurtzman and then uh, Russell Crowe from uh, Les, Les, uh, Les Mis, Gladiator, Beautiful Mind, and L.A. Confidential. So this was supposed to be the first planned in a shared universal... Uh, universal Monsters... Uh, universe but since it fell flat that didn't happen um real quick though we are going to hear from our sponsors and i'll be right back to shit on this tom cruise masterpiece hey all you guys and girls and everything else cool tomato list huh cool cats and kittens what's up cool cats and kittens there we go. So uh, we were talking about The Mummy with Tom Cruise. Not a huge fan of Tom Cruise. He's strange. And I feel he just plays the same character 
and I don't understand why people as short as him get to be action stars, but that's not why we're here. We're here to give this movie a 3 out of 10. Giving this a 3 out of 10 because while I thought it was as bad as the Ghostbusters reboot, um, at least I could finish it and somewhat pay attention. It had some cool action sequences. Um, the script sucked. Uh, Alex Kurtzman uh, did a pretty decent job directing it. I can't really say anything bad about the, the, the direction of the movie, but the script was pretty poor. Um so uh the uh tagline quote to the movie was welcome to a new world of gods and monsters which was a quote from the bride of frankenstein book um this movie didn't have a post-credit scene uh even though it was supposed to start a shared universe because um alex kurtzman said that that's marvel's domain good choice so uh, definitely good with the director there ain't uh, ain't afraid of that but um so here's a weird one why they decided to do you know they did the gender swap in this from imhotep i mean i'm glad they didn't make it a female imhotep at least they made it they gave her, sophia batella her own mummy amanat amanet yeah, I, I like yes that they had her own story arc because yeah in, in the comics like you like it, it is a comic book universe so you yeah. need that well it was more supposed to be based off of the uh, 19 uh, like 40s mummy, the black and white one, than um, the actual mummies with Brendan Fraser, which I know is kind of loosely based off of that, but um, God, those movies were so much better, except the third one, but you know. I liked the third one. I wasn't a fan of it, man. I didn't like how they replaced uh, Rachel Weiss. Uh, dude, she literally didn't sign on to the film because of how bad the script was, she thought, after she read it, which I felt was kind of true. Jet Li did pretty good, but I mean... It just felt disconnected because of how long they waited to do the sequel. Plus, when you replace a main actress in a sequel that long after it's been, like, there just wasn't the right chemistry between her and Brendan Fraser. Yeah, and I feel like... At least between the first movie and the second movie. Person. Yeah, if it was a different person than Brendan Fraser... No, not even. I mean, a, a, the actress needs to play a new character. Oh, yeah, she should have been. But she played, you know, Elia's wife. They can't just write out her. Then that would have been complete crap. Like, oh, yeah, sometime in between the second and third movie, my wife died and I got this other chick. So, you know, that was pretty bad. But, um, so they, they actually redesigned the mummy and the gender uh, so people wouldn't get confused with X-Men Apocalypse that was coming out at the same time because uh, they didn't want people to, you know, see that and think that, you know... I guess that they had them looking too similar or something. I don't know. I mean... How hard is it to make a mummy not look like Apocalypse from X-Men? Like, <laughs> I don't really get that one, man. I mean, maybe when he was walking around in the weird cloth thing in the beginning of the movie when he first, like, was resurrected. But, uh, We'd have to see the concept art to be sure about, like, why. But even down yeah. to comic book movies look similar anyway. That's, that's, that's true. It's a promotional issue. That's true, but... I don't know. It, it, it was something probably with a promotional, but it just said that they didn't want them to get people to get, you know, confuse them. I mean, glad they think so highly of us. You know what I mean? <laughs> These people are too fucking stupid to tell what's an X-Man and what's a fucking mummy. <laughs> God, Hollywood, why? <clears throat> um, all right, hold on. I'm going to jump out of order here because I'm doing too many movies that are garbage. 
we're gonna jump back to uh, a couple good movies real quick. So, um, gonna jump over here to uh, Dread from 2012, uh, which I give an eight out of ten. Uh, starring Carl Urban from The Boys, Star Trek remakes, Lord of the Rings, and that god-awful Doom movie from the early 2000s with The Rock uh, as Judge Dredd. Uh, Olivia Thurlby as Anderson from Juno, The L Word, uh, Generation Q, Between Us, and The Darkest Hour. And uh, Lena Headey as Mama from Game of Thrones, 300 Troll Hunters and the Purge, was directed by Pete Travis. I'm not very familiar with him, but I'm going to look more into him because I really, really like how he did this movie. So they didn't follow the old movie at all. They did their, uh, this is why I like reboots a little bit more than remakes. Remakes, they try to stick it too similar and reboots, they kind of do their own thing, but stay true to it. This one, I don't think it was real well-received by critics or in the movie theaters, but it was pretty popular. I mean, everybody I've talked to about it seemed to like it uh, out of my friends group and stuff. Um, so uh, it's pretty much about um, in Mega City, there's one of these like living blocks called Peace Tree. And um, Lena Headey, who plays Mama, like runs this gang, the Mama gang, who uh, basically runs the entire block. Uh, which has like a hundred thousand people living in it or some shit because you know they get all crammed into these giant mega cities in the post-apocalyptic world um and i did like that you know before it was like they, they when they said you know mega city one there was like eight million people living in a space for one million people in the new movie they said you know in the post-apocalyptic world it was 80 million people living in there which i liked how they increased it i liked how they did their own story uh, so anyways, there's some murders in Peachtree. Uh, the judges come in. It's Anderson's first day. It's basically like her test to see if she gets like to become an actual judge. She's got like these weird psychic powers because she's kind of a mutant. She doesn't look weird or anything, but you know, with all like the the toxic waste and pollution, it kind of you know is a little side effect sometimes. But you know, it's kind of a good thing to have, I guess, if you're a judge, especially when you got to decide, you know, judge, jury, executioner. Um, don't want to give away too much of the plot for people who haven't seen a movie from eight years ago. Because um, I know not everybody's me and can ingest in as much cinema as I do. <laughs> but, um... Aw, oh, Nick, you're watching. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so, um, I really like the movie. They stick to it. Um, one thing that I'm a fan of, opposed to the Stallone version, um, the helmet uh, for Judge Dredd does not come off... Carl Urban at all during the movie which really sticks true to the uh, comic books um, which were fucking awesome it had a great game on the Super Nintendo hell even the Stallone version was amazing like Judge Dredd just all around is good um, I'm still even eight almost nine years later hoping for a sequel for this one because of how much I loved it um, I really hope it happens but you know, we'll see. Um, I'm a big fan of Carl Urban. I'm a big fan of Lena Headey. Um, well, Lena Headey's not <laughs> going to be back, but, you know, they don't really repeat villains. But also, I might have just spoiled something. You know, I don't care. She died at the end of the movie. Boo-hoo. You should have seen it. It's eight years old. Get over it. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Oh, you're supposed to say that beforehand. Oopsie. Eight years. Come on. Um, so, in the movie... Um, 
They got everything. They got the Peacekeeper guns. They got the Lawmaster motorcycles, which were actual motorcycles that they retrofitted. Um, and uh, Carl Urban actually insisted that he uh, ride the Lawmaster himself. So uh, that was freaking cool. Love that. Um, at one point when they first show Mama in her penthouse, uh, when she's getting high off this weird drug slow-mo that she invented, that um, it's basically this weird inhaler thing that when you suck it in, it slows uh, it, it, it slows down your mind almost so you perceive time at like 10% of what you normally would. So, like, it's really cool because they show her, like, take it and she's all like, oh, and then she's, like, sitting in the bathroom and she, like, splashes water up and uh, it's all going real slow and just, like, reflecting off the light real cool. I, the director did such a good job. The shots he got in this were awesome. Um, so, while that's happening, there's a helmet on the wall, a judge's helmet that she probably killed, with a gold chain. That is a tribute to the original movie and the original comic design where they had um, a gold chain connecting both of the eagle shoulder pads, the gold eagle shoulder pads that the judges had. Um, you know, honestly, I can't lie. I like the Stallone version, but I might honestly like the remake a bit better or the reboot uh, just because it sticks so true to the actual comics, which... Bravo to that. Um, so uh, at one point they show a flag that has six stars um, opposed to our normal 50 in the dilapidated post-apocalyptic world that represents the six mega cities that exist in the ruins of the old world. Uh, you know, fun little fact for people who might have seen the movie and noticed that and not understood what it meant. Um, Another little quick fact, uh, Mama, Lena Headey, has a lot of weird, freaky tattoos. Most of them are hers, actually, that she has. They have, like, one thing. She has a flower here that they kind of trailed up onto her face a little bit more. Um, you know, the makeup they had there. Um, I definitely recommend watching this for any diehard Dread fan. Um, if you love the comics like I did, and you love the game like I did, and you love the old movie, stick with this. Watch it. You will not be disappointed. I try not to lead you in the wrong direction, my fans. Um, so on to another. Uh, this might be one of my favorite remakes of all time. Well, reboots. I hate that there's a distinction, but there is a distinction. Um, it from 2017. Um, and I guess technically also... Um, even though a lot of people didn't like the second part as much, 2019, but uh, it gets a 9 out of 10 from me. Uh, I went to see this movie, I went to see both parts with my wife in the movie theaters uh, four times. So, oh, excuse me. That was more times than I went to see Endgame. Anyways, so it stars Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise from Deadpool 2, Castle Rock, Battle Creek, and Atomic Blonde. Man, there's a lot of people that have been in Atomic Blonde in these movies that I've talked about so far. I, this is at least the third or fourth person. Uh, Sophia, Lil, uh, Sophia Lillis, who played Beverly Marsh uh, from I Am Not Okay With This, Hansel and Gretel, Nancy Drew in 37. Uh, Finn Wolfhard, who played Richie Tozer, Tozer from Stranger Things, The New Addams Family, uh, The Turning, and Ninja Sex Party. Never heard of that. I need to look into it just based off the name. I think it's some horror comedy. At least that's what it looked like. Um... It was directed by Andy uh, Muschietti. Muschietti. I can never pronounce his last name, but this guy just... Ooh! 
I remember when they first, um, everyone should know the story of this. Like, we grew up with the 90s version with Tim Curry. Um, so, demonic weird presence takes the place of a clown, resides in this weird town, Derry, Maine, that Stephen King makes up, eats children, and uh, a bunch of these kids decide that they don't want to take that shit anymore. So, um... Oh, lost my card for a second, guys. Lord knows I can't remember shit. Um, while Bill Skarsgård did an amazing job, he only had actual four minutes of dialogue throughout a two-and-a-half-hour movie. Um, I mean, he didn't need a lot of dialogue. There wasn't, you know, a horrendous amount of Pennywise dialogue in the book. There was a decent amount in the old one. But in the second movie, he's definitely got some more. Chapter 2. Um... So, Nick, you've seen these, right? Okay, so you know the weird eye thing that he does where his eyes go in, like, different directions, Pennywise? Yeah. You know it's not CGI? Really? Bill Skarsgård can do that. And you know that weird, creepy smile that Pennywise does? Also yeah. not CGI or prosthetics. He can do that creepy fucking smile. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, dude. So, in the second movie, Bill Hader plays Richie Tozier, you know, as an adult, right? So there, you can actually look this up. Um, he did an interview about it and everything. So when they were going to do the scene where uh, Richie was an adult at the um, uh, play, the, the, the fairground and everything, and he runs into Pennywise, you know, Bill and him were talking and everything. He's just like, so, you know, like, that was some really cool CGI that they did to, like, make your eyes go like that. And Bill's like, oh, that wasn't CGI, and then makes his eyes go all cockeyed. And there's literally, you can see there was, like, pictures of this where they're talking, and he, like, all of a sudden, Bill Hader just freaks out. And, like, you could just see Bill Skarsgård just laughing his ass off about it. Um, when I learned that, that was amazing. Another little part that was not 100% CGI was um, in the first movie where they first run him to him in the house on uh, Nebolt Street. You know when he pops out of the fridge and he's like walking all weird and freaky? That was half CGI and half him doing his contortionist skills. And then they also, uh, and there was like strings and stuff to it. And they filmed the animation going backwards. Or no, they filmed the animation going forwards, but they played it backwards. So that's why it looked so uh, freaky when he was going forward and stuff. Because Bill Skarsgård did that in reverse. And then they played it normal. Yeah, freaky, right? That was one part, guys, that always... I've seen this movie so many times, two dozen times at least, um, probably more. Um, I watch movies really obsessively when they first come out, especially when I like them this much. Um, I'm pretty sure, uh, just like I did with Infinity War and Endgame, the day that this came out on digital, I'm pretty sure I watched it every day for about a week and a half. Uh, sometimes twice in a day. I don't really care. Judge me. Um, <laughs> I get on tangents and there's just movies that I want to watch. I once made my wife sit through the extended version of The Hateful Eight, which is almost four hours. It's three hours and 40 minutes. Every day for five days straight. That was not a fun day in our house. <laughs> um, I didn't force her. I just put it on and we watched it. She didn't complain because she's the best. Um, so, uh, Sophia Illis, as the shortest cast member at five foot even, she had to, uh, often stand on boxes and scenes to put her up to, 
level with everybody else. Um, oh, I completely got sidetracked. <laughs> I was talking about Pennywise in the fridge, so that was one of my favorite scenes because it just makes me feel so uncomfortable the way his movements seem so ungodly natural. And uh, knowing how they did it, Ugh, super creepy right there. I don't know if I said, I probably did, 9 out of 10. I'm never going to give any reboot or remake a 10 out of 10 because they don't deserve it. But this one was close to deserving it. So, um, Bill Skarsgård, one of the uh, stipulations for auditioning was everybody that had to audition had to audition in clown face. So he's like literally like driving around the streets of LA with this like home done clown makeup to go to this audition and he still talks about how ridiculous it was um so fun title that this movie has this is the highest grossing horror movie of all time currently number one it beat out well chapter one it beat out the sixth sense finally take that M. Night Shyamalan no, it's okay. I like Unbreakable and Glass and Split. You did great with those ones, but, like, stop relying on twists. Those didn't have twists, and you did fucking great, man. Stop the twists. Um, so, yeah, Pennywise, uh, I definitely recommend. Uh, as you can see, it's high-rated on Steve's list. Um, the second part was longer. Chapter 2 uh, wasn't as well-received as... The first one, I thought it was a great follow-up. There's even talks about doing a chapter three. I don't know what they would do at that point because it would really be spurning off of the book. Um, I don't think that there's really anything that needs left to say on it, but I'm happy to see that a lot of... I'm happy to see that Stephen King remakes are getting the... Uh, or the rebakes, reboots, whatever, are getting the justice they deserve because his books are amazing and he has had to deal with a lot of shitty movies based off of his books whether it was just poor directors poor script poor budget i mean try to watch the langoliers and get through that fucking cgi my god it's nauseating man um so we're gonna move on to another stinker another low one on steve's list robocop from 2014 starring joel kinnaman as robocop from the killing suicide squad for all mankind and altered carbon uh, Gary Oldman is Dr. Norton from Dracula, The Fifth Element, uh, Dark Knight, and Tau. Um, Michael Keaton as Ray Sellers, Beetlejuice, Batman, The Founder, White Noise, directed by Jose Padilla. The director was good. Um, he has been quoted as saying that this was the worst experience filming the worst filming experience of his life because the studio had him on a leash he would go to them with 10 ideas they would reject nine and i feel that this was kind of like schumacher syndrome like he tried his best to make a good movie and they didn't let him make a good movie because the directing wasn't terrible it was just the script was dull they didn't really rehash too much i fucking hate how they changed alex murphy dying getting blown up by a car bomb that's so stupid and the old movie come on you got freaking uh, red foreman blowing his ass away with shotguns and five other guys that's brutal why would you change that i don't know i don't know i'm sure that was the studio if that was him i'm sorry man you fucked up on that call but i know you tried 
I'm gonna check out some more. I'm gonna look into more of Joe, uh, Jose Padilla's uh, work because um, I didn't think the directing was terrible. Like the dude, finding out now, especially looking back on it, he 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 worked with what he had. So um, this is how you know it was crap, right? Paul Verhoeven, who directed the original film, not impressed. Thought it was soulless and had none of the humor that made the original good. I 100% agree with him. And I mean, fucking Sam Jackson's in this movie. Earl Jackie, or Jackie Earl Haley's in this movie. Gary Oldman, Michael Keaton. Like, it's perfect case example. Time and true again. Me and Krista will say it over and over. Good casting doesn't save bad writing. No. Right now, I'd like to take a moment to have a quick moment of silence for Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman, who had to make those fucking prequels. All right. So, anyways, <laughs> uh, I feel Hayden Christensen and Krista will agree with me on this. My co-host. Dude got a bad rap. Just like the guy who played Jar Jar Binks. You know he got so many death threats, he almost killed himself? Isn't that why Hayden Christensen backed away from acting as well? Yes, because of the backlash he got. And it's just like... When George Lucas is just let to have free reign and do whatever he wants and gets surrounded by yes-men, that guy has 9 out of 10 bad ideas. But like in the old movies, when you had someone watching him and being like, it's fucking stupid, George, we're not doing that. He made magic. Yeah, and I feel like the crunch they had with the first trilogy was completely different. Like, if you listen to any of the documentaries, um, with even the creation of Industrial Light and Magic and stuff like that, to be able to create some of the scenes, at that at the point where they were filming most of this, light, sound, and graphics, like, outside of uh, filming, weren't done. <clears throat> And, you know, so they had every studio executive watching over them, trying to push this forward, and, you know, they really kind of came together. But it wasn't that same. Even you see the documentaries with the newer trilogy, it's, it's not the same. Well, yeah, man. I mean, especially, like, look at episode one. It was literally a freaking Congress hearing for, like, half the movie. It was politics and statistics. Nobody gives a shit about that, man. Um... So, I was happy, though, that they include the Dead or Alive, You're Coming With Me. Um, one of the most famous lines from the original RoboCop, so I'm happy. I don't know if that counts as an Easter egg or paying homage or whatever, but... Uh, so, Gary Oldman. We all know that Gary Oldman is an acting god. No one can deny that. If you deny that, it is factually wrong. I'm not even going anywhere from this. It is factually wrong. Gary Oldman is an acting god. Did you know that Edward Norton was the first one offered the role for Dr. Norton? Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, Edward Norton's good and all, but I just couldn't have seen it really working. And I'm glad that they went with Gary Oldman, but, like, Gary Oldman should never be your second choice. Always go with Gary Oldman. So, uh, yeah, movie pretty much follows the old one, you know, guy, a cop gets killed, gets turned into a RoboCop... Gets his memory back, uh, gets vengeance on the guys that killed him, blah, blah, blah. Movie gets a 3 out of 10. Uh, I give it a 3 out of 10 because it had some cool action sequences and it had a good cast. So I'll give it that. Uh, next up on the stink list is the 2000, 
2001 remake of Planet of the Apes starring Mark Wahlberg as Captain Davidson from Boogie Nights, Ted 1 and 2, The Departed and The Fighter. Helena Bonham Carter as Aerie from Sweeney Todd, Les Mis, uh, Fight Club and the Dark Crystal, the new TV series. And Tim Roth as Fade from Pulp Fiction, The Hateful Eight, Twin Peaks, and Lie to Me. It was directed by Tim Burton. Uh, Tim Burton is one of my favorite directors of all time. This was shit. I need to look into more. Um, I mean, it pretty much follows the exact same one pretty much dead on. I, you know, The movie's been out for 40-something years. I don't... 50 years. I don't need to tell you what it's about. It's Planet of the Apes. Um, so while it stayed true in nature and they didn't really fuck too much up, like... The guy that wrote it just made it feel kind of soulless. It just didn't have that, like, grasp of the old one. And I could definitely see where the soulless part came from. Um, fun fact from it, Michael Clark Duncan sprained his ankle while they were filming and had to go to the hospital in the ER in full gorilla makeup. Which, uh, oh my god. Could you imagine looks on people's faces when they're like, Is this a vet? <laughs> um, so, ah, oh man, it's just, this is a bummer movie right here. Like, I remember I went to go see it in the movie theater when I was a kid, and about halfway through the movie, um, three ceiling tiles fell onto some empty seats because it was, like, the last showing at, like, 10 o'clock at night, and, um... I don't understand why they couldn't just let us finish the movie. It didn't fall on anybody. Nobody cared, but they, like, refunded all of us. So I had to go see it again. And when I finished the movie, I was like, okay. Kind of wish I didn't re-spend my money on this. I mean, I didn't even think we were halfway through. We were about probably, like, 25 minutes into the movie. So I was like, all right, this is all right. This is cool, you know. I was a fan of the Planet of the Apes stuff is when I was a kid. Um, definitely, you know, when they started doing Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, um with Andy Serkis and everything, uh, that was a hell of a lot better than this. But, um, yeah, even Tim Burton uh, said that he would rather jump out of a window than direct a sequel to this movie. Um, I don't know if he got, like, stuck directing it or um, he wanted to back out and he couldn't or one of those things with the studio, uh, kind of like a Padilla situation in RoboCop where he couldn't, you know, get a lot of creativity in it. So um, I don't really know about that. So I'm going to have to look into that. Uh, didn't have time, kind of ran out when I was getting ready last night. Um, so Mark Wahlberg was originally supposed to play Linus in um, uh, the Ocean's Eleven remake uh, with uh, George Clooney and all them. And I believe, if I remember correctly, the role went to Matt Damon. Now, I like Mark Wahlberg, but I like Matt Damon more. I just think that Matt Damon's a little bit better of a of an actor sometimes. Um, I mean, not to say Mark Wahlberg isn't talented. He's been in some really crazy good shit. But um, just for the role, I guess. I just really couldn't have seen, like, when... You need to be that kind of doofy guy. And Mark Wahlberg's just that kind of, like, I'm muscled up and can kick your ass. But Matt Damon can still play, you know, goofy, kind of dumb kid. Um... So, did you know Charleston Heston had an uncredited role in the movie? Yeah, he played some, like, background ape in something that had, like, I think maybe a line or so. And, like, I always thought it was kind of fucked up that he didn't credit the star of the original movie 
for appearing in it. Like, I didn't even know that till years later. So I thought that was kind of dumb. Um, not a fan, so going to move on. Uh, the year when he goes into the future in the movie is 5,021. So, I mean, uh, the movie itself was set in the year, like, 2056 or something. So, I mean, that dude literally just jumped, like, double into the future with that weird little little, little jump that he does. But, um, yeah, so that was disappointing because I was kind of excited going into that one, even younger. But, you know, whatever, it happens. Uh, Nick, how are we looking out on time so I know about my ramblings? Okay. Yeah, I got three. I can rattle through that real quick. Uh, la, 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 la. Okay, so uh, just a stinker. I'm going to do Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from 2005. I don't know why I just did that with a stupid Boston accent. Hold on. <clears throat> Chocolate. Chad, if I had to clear Get my throat. Back car. So, uh, yeah, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory from 2005. I give this a 7.5 out of 10. Um. While I really enjoyed it and thought it was a good uh, a good remake or a good reboot, um, I wasn't a fan of uh, most of the songs in it. Which, uh, I mean, another, it's directed by Tim Burton. Danny Elfman did the music. He pretty much does all of Tim Burton's music. Um, I gotta see if he did Planet of the Apes because the soundtrack wasn't terrible for it. But, uh... So, not exactly... Uh, well received from what I remember I was a fan of it uh, stars Johnny Depp as Willy Wonka from Edward Scissorhands Pirates of the Caribbean Dark Shadows and Corpse Bride uh, Missy Pyle as Mrs. Beauregard from Galaxy Quest Dodgeball Ma and the Jumanji uh, sequel um, Freddie Highmore as Charlie from Finding Neverland Bates Motel Astro Boy and the Golden Compass he actually voiced Astro Boy in the reboot series which was pretty cool and uh he uh, was recommended to play Charlie Bucket by Johnny Depp, who was so impressed by his acting skills when they did uh, Finding Neverland together. Um, so pretty much, you know, Willy Wonka sends out his golden tickets. Uh, people find it all around. Last golden ticket's a fraud. Charlie Bucket finds it, ends up getting the chocolate factory at the end because he's not a piece of shit. Um, da, 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 da. So uh, Johnny Depp played, uh, or sorry, read too quick deep roy um who played um the oompa loompas actually played every single oompa loompa and had to record the dance sequence all separate that wasn't them like digitally doing it all of those were separate things that they just piled in and because he was doing so much it actually bumped his salary up to a million dollars for that movie just to do that right but now while he played them, he did not voice them. Danny Elfman, who uh, Danny Elfman, who did uh, all the music, did the voices. He's actually uh, very talented with his voice. Um, on uh, one of the special editions of the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack, there's the demo versions where he actually does the voices of like all of the characters in the movie. But he only likes uh, doing singing stuff. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but he actually did uh, the he did Jack Skellington, the singing voice. But then at the same time, um, the guy who played uh, Chris, um, I got him drawing a blank on his name right now, but he played the prince in The Princess Bride, the one that uh, was stealing away Buttercup. Uh, 
so yeah, I never knew that that was him, but he did the uh, talking voice. So um, Tim Burton was pushing Danny Elfman to do all the, all of it, but he only wanted to do the singing voice, so they had to find someone whose speaking voice was close to his singing voice. So they found him. So two people played Jack Skellington. Um, let's see. Nestle provided 1,850 candy bars for the movie. Lord knows what they did with all that. Um, Willy Wonka's candy cane was... Or candy cane. Uh, his, his walking cane was actually filled with nerds candy. And uh, you know how uh, Veruca Salt is attacked by squirrels in the movie? Those were actually 40 trained squirrels that jumped all over her. Those were not CGI squirrels. Isn't that fun? I always thought they were CGI squirrels. Fun fact, we have a population of squirrels who are getting used to the humans out front, and they get close to us, and I'm afraid of that, so that doesn't help. Well, but these ones were trained. Those ones are not, so they're more likely to attack you. Cover your nuts, Nick. I hate you. You're welcome. <laughs> okay, so moving on real quick before uh, my time runs out. What do we got left for time, Nick? I want to make sure I can get through these last two. Five minutes. Oh, shit. Okay, so we got a golden one and a stinker. Um, I'm going to talk about the golden one because the stinker, the omen from 2006, I give it a 5 out of 10, uh, starring uh, Leif Schreiber, Julia Stiles, and Pete Postlethwaite. Uh, rest in peace. Uh, directed by John Moore. Uh, wasn't a fan of it. Good cast. Bad writing. Another soulless one. Come up with your own shit. So, uh, with an 8 out of 10, we have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake from 2003. Starring Jessica Biel as Aaron, Jonathan Tucker as Morgan, and Andrew Biniarski. Brenarski, I cannot pronounce it, as Thomas Hewitt slash Leatherface, also directed by Marcus Nispel. The guy does good remakes. Um... So, yeah, this one stood really true to the original. Uh, pretty much followed the same premise. A uh, bunch of people going on a trip to drop off. Uh, well, in this one, they're dropping off um, one of the guys to go re-enlist. Uh, um, these two brothers and uh, their girlfriends. They pick up this crazy hitchhiker. Um, well, you should know the story from here. Oh, no, wait, no. I got the prequel a little mixed up. They're not going to drop them off. They got the whole five group of fan, uh, the, the the little beetle van, and they got the friends in there. They pick up the weird hitchhiker guy that, uh, you know, brings them to there. He's creepy. They kick him out of the van, and then hell just goes from there. Um, sorry, I love the prequel and the other one so much, and, you know, Arlie Ermey's in both of them. You know, I get a little confused sometimes. But so, um, <clears throat> one of the few... Uh, Michael Bay movies I'm a real big fan of. I think he did a good job with it um, because it wasn't just filled with explosions and CGI. So uh, Jessica Biel, who played Aaron, is from The Illusionist. Next, Pete the Cat, the cartoon in The Book of Love. Jonathan Tucker is from The Ruins. Uh, Hostage, Sleepers, Westworld. Andrew is from Street Fighter. Talked about that recently. Uh, Any Given Sunday, Some Kind of Hate in Black Mask 2. Uh, Andrew personally went up to Michael Moore to ask for the role of Leatherface. He did an amazing job. Uh, John Larroquette, everyone should know John Larroquette, did the narration back for the original movie in the 70s when he was unknown, came back, reprised his role to do the opening narration for this movie. Um, at one part when Arlie Ermey is, uh, 
shoving a gun down Tucker's throat because he's pretending to be the sheriff. Uh, Jonathan, or down Morgan's throat, uh, Jonathan Tucker actually... Oh, sorry. I thought they were saying the hole, but we got one minute. He was actually shoving the gun down his own throat to, like, get vomit to come up and everything. Um, only movie to show Leatherface's real face in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Uh, they did have a whole scene that they showed his real face that they had to cut to keep their R rating for it to not go to NC-17. So a little paying homage, a little uh, homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3 there. And the film was banned in the Ukraine when it came out by the Morality Council or whatever they're called over there, which I think is real weird, but it's cool. I don't know. I don't think people should not be able to see stuff, man. Stuff is fun. Okay, uh, so uh, for huh, I feel like it's been a couple weeks since I've been able to actually get through my whole list of 10. I usually get a little too rambly in the beginning, but anyways, uh, I'm off camera grabbing stuff. Woo, eye contact. So, uh... Thank you, everybody, for joining me again for another Cinephile Saturdays. I had fun rambling about movies I enjoyed to you and shitting out facts from my mouth. I hope you enjoyed it, listening and watching. Uh, hi, babe. It's not often my wife gets a chance to watch. I'm happy. So, uh, special thanks goes out to Pyre and Hashtag Razor Streamer for sponsoring this episode and our entire podcast. Uh, for more from Cinephile Saturdays or NerdCon 1, go to www.nerdcon1. Check us out on all platforms, everything. Find us. Bye, guys. I'll see you next week, and I'll also see you Monday. Cut. I got a bad feeling about this. It wasn't funny, man. What have we done? What are you looking at, butthead? Oh, you want some coffee? You want some coffee? Game on, old friend. <laughs>